My name is Karen Durvin and I'm one of the two curators behind the Kaleidoscope music series. My colleague Leo Bapitri and I have been curating it since 2014. It was founded in 2009 by violinist Cleena Ryan and cellist Kate Ellis. And it started with very humble beginnings in the Odessa Club in Dublin City Centre. And the choice of venue alone there straight away would tell you that something different in terms of classical music presentation was afoot because the Odessa Club would be associated with maybe all types of music except classical music, really. Mm. But Cleena and Kate's intention was that classical music would essentially be brought back to the salon of old um, as per the historical tradition of certain formats of chamber music presentation. But it was also their intention that the events be quite accessible. So the idea of the the informality of a venue like that, where there would be a bar available to you um, and you wouldn't have to put your drink into a plastic glass in order to bring it into the venue or that in fact you would be allowed to have your drink in your hand watching the performance. Um, that brought a certain informality um, to the event. Uh, it, there was an intimacy in that, in the Odessa Club, which again wouldn't have been something that a classical music audience would always enjoy. Really couldn't have been more intimate in the Odessa Club. So there was an energy and a joy, really, that emerged from that series when it started. We moved it to Bellabar in 2015, and when I say we, I mean Leo Bapitri and I, who took over the curation of Kaleidoscope in January 2014. And we continued to present the event there until the summer of 2015. We found this little gem called Bellabar, um, which overlooks the Rathmine Canal Bridge, at Portobello Harbour and we found a whole new audience really um, of people living in that area um, who absolutely embraced us and embraced the idea and I suppose it feels like it's still the same energy and joy but at the same time it's a, a kind of a new chapter in a way as well. How would you, I guess, summarize your approach to programming? You mentioned it there, obviously, in, in the, the, the concept and the idea for Kaleidoscope in the first instance. Mm. But how would you describe that? And in particular, in relation to, uh, I guess, where where Irish c- composers sit within that, um, you know, programming ethos, if you will. As a programming formula, the idea is that the audience will be presented with a piece of Baroque or Renaissance music and then maybe something from the late classical or romantic canon and then a piece of contemporary music and then a piece of what we have to use the awful term non-classical as a reference uh, which is an absolutely terrible term but that basically means something not from the classical or contemporary canon. So when it comes to that contemporary element, I mean, our first port of call is always an Irish composer. We've been so um, honoured to have had, you know, quite a sizable number of world premieres by Irish composers. We did a count, in fact, 
um, with a view to putting together some nice kaleido facts, as we've called them, for um, our celebration on the 3rd of October. And we've, in fact, presented 27 world premieres um, over the course of our 10 years in Kaleidoscope. That doesn't count Irish premieres now, so they, they would be in there as well, um, in second place as such. But 27 world premieres, and I mean, I would say, with the exception of two of those, 25 have been by Irish composers. For us to, I suppose, um, showcase contemporary music at this as well is also very important because a number of our audience come because they enjoy the general vibe, the general atmosphere, and sometimes they don't enjoy the challenge of some contemporary music. But the way it's presented, in the context in which it's presented, they won't run away from the challenge because it's always in the context of other varieties of music. I suppose we're trying to break down these barriers as Mm. well for our audience of maybe you only think you don't like contemporary music, but actually maybe you haven't always given it a chance. And just on the audiences, have you noticed a change in the audiences? I mean, you you, you mentioned when you moved... Uh, to Bellow Bar and how you mm. you attracted a, a new audience of people who are living in the area. But how is that? How has yeah. that audience, um, you know, grown or changed or or shifted mm. in the in those ten years? Well, interestingly, it has become very much a kind of neighbourhood event in in Bellow Bar. Um, a lot of people live in the Dublin Eight area. And they walk to the venue or they cycle to the venue. Um, and for me, there's such a lovely sense of community in that, that I suppose I'm personally very interested in that. And mm. we get a lot of people living in the area who don't want to have to go into the city centre for their cultural experience. Um, I mean, I think increasingly a lot of people just... Um, issue the city centre for just I suppose all sorts of kind of logistical reasons really Um, so the audience that we have now as I said is very much a community one and some of them are ferociously loyal and I will say ferocious because (laughs) they're just they're so full of the joys and they're so grateful that they have this on their doorstep they almost have a sense of ownership of it. You know, mm. we often have emails from our audience members saying, oh, I saw this amazing person playing here and you should think about getting her into the series or um, have you thought about ever presenting this piece of music? I mean, and to have that from an audience is, is just incredible. And just coming back to this whole notion of recreating the salon experience for listening to music and listening to different Mm. types of music and the fact that there is no there are no boundaries between genres they're presented alongside one another as equals and there you know there are no Mm. exceptions made so to speak uh are you surprised that that model hasn't been adopted in in by other organizations it has been adopted to an extent by um, the Listen At series, which has moved around uh, different venues, but they have adopted that. Now, of course, the, that that is in the context of 
the, the genre of jazz, I suppose, for the most part. Um, and then uh, Benedict and Garrett of the Argodos Company are doing something very similar with their Santa Rita series yeah. in the Little Museum. Um, they're both kind of different formats, but I would I would see them as people who who live in our catchment area in terms of our presentation styles. When when you're looking at the I suppose the classical music arena. Mm. I think it's just an issue with venues, Jonathan, really. Um, I mean, we all know that we are so limited in our choice of venues in the city centre in terms of suitability of presenting classical music. The only way to do what we do is find the right venue. And as I said already, that is, for me, the sticking point for a lot of ambitions. Yeah. that classical music promoters can have. I was going to ask you about the venue situation and it is very much a, a hot topic within yeah. within music, within whether it's classical music, contemporary music. Um, how would you assess the situation and what would you what would you do um, if you could if you oh, could change one thing? It's definitely a symptom of what we're seeing as a what I would call a kind of an attack on, on public spaces in Dublin. You know, and it's incredibly sad. And we, we've all seen in the last couple of weeks, even, for instance, take the George Bernard Shaw, which is not necessarily a venue that would have ever been on the classical music kind of radar. Yeah. But we saw the outpouring of feeling there was around the shutting down of that venue and the plans that are afoot to replace it. And, I mean, that's just one example of so many of these kind of things that are happening across the city. Um, and it really, it really saddens me and it does really anger me mm. that we, tr- we uh, when I say we, you know, I'm talking about politically, we promote, try to promote ourselves as a country of, of culture and to pr- promote Dublin as a, as a city of, of cultural activity and vibrancy. But if you make it impossible for people to exist in a fringe capacity, for for people to be able to put on fringe events. Now, I don't mean fringe in terms of like not important or not worthy of of the public eye, but I mean in the fringe where you can experiment and collaborate and try things and try to shine a new light on music and culture, shine a light that brings a new audience to that place where you've shone the light. Unless you can do that, then these things do start to atrophy Mm. and people's energy to do things consistently when it's only getting increasingly difficult to do them, that's going to a that's going to a very sad place um, of cultural homogenization. We are a big enough community that we should be making a collective effort to speak out against these things. Um, we've seen, for instance, again, a great outpouring of feeling about the potential um, demise of Orti Lyric FM. And yeah. I shudder to even say those words out loud. 
So there is an energy out there, but I suppose it's only when we collectively put that energy together. Um, and again, I know these things happen. These, this collective energy is there. There are campaigns, but I suppose it's just there are just so many little fires that we're trying to put out all the time, or in even so many little fires that we're trying to keep burning, in fact, is probably a better way to think of it. Kaleidoscope has toured nationally. Um, again, we've done that with the help of funding from the Arts Council. But when we, as an artistic community, who are, I suppose, quite Dublin-centric to an extent, when we do get out into... Um, outside of Dublin, you know, there are there are audiences there as well. And no more than our audience in Bellobar are incredibly grateful to us for basically being in their neighbourhood so they don't have to travel into the city centre. I mean, of course, people in Bray or people in Wexford Town or anywhere, I mean, of course, they're going to have the exact same gratitude. You know, yeah. thank you for coming to us because it's not an option for us to come to you. So perhaps... The, the next phase of what we have to think about is why don't we go and find new audiences? Because if composers and artists are not able to live in Dublin any longer either because of rent pressures and the cost of living, then there are low. I mean, that's affecting everyone. Yeah. So there are loads of people now living all over Ireland who would be kaleidoscope goers maybe if they lived in Dublin but they can't live in Dublin I would love to see a situation and I would love to see a funding scenario that would allow it where kaleidoscope could happen in a different part of Ireland every month um, not just in Dublin every month but at, in Dublin one month and in Cork the next and on Sharkin Island the next and Clare Island the next it's logistically very difficult, but that's what I think, that, that would be my dream for a kaleidoscope. And that then we are actually broadening our network of, of composers and musicians as well, because, you know, there are musicians living in pockets all over the country, but at the moment, if we want them to perform a kaleidoscope, we have to get them to travel to Dublin. So I would love to see a situation where we're going to their area and we're even co-curating with people in these areas and um, maintaining the, the beauty of what Kaleidoscope has already achieved, maintaining it in that way, but bringing it to a much wider national audience.